Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. I love that hymn. Thank you, Eric, for joining us today. Appreciate it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come together as we start a new series of Loving Your Neighborhood. Be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you like vacations? Half of you do. More than half. How many of you, have you ever done a staycation before? You know what a staycation is? Where you take time off, but you stay home? So about a year into the pandemic, around April, May-ish, I think of 2021, you know, we really couldn't go anywhere. And so I thought, well, I, I need to take some time off. So um, I took, uh, I think I took like five days off. And it was nice, you know. Didn't have to worry about work, relax. But then I realized, oh, I see my computer. I see my tablet. I see my car. I'm home. And when I do a lot of work from home, it still felt like I was at work. And I thought, oh, yeah, I could relax, but it wasn't the same. Now, fa fast forward a couple of months. Um, one of my super close friends, uh, he invited me to, he asked, he and his wife uh, asked me to officiate their wedding. And it took place near Solvang, which is a couple of hours from here. And so Lisa and I, uh, we went up Friday and we were there until Sunday morning. And it was amazing just to be able to be in a different place from your normal area, even though it's just a couple of hours away spending time getting to know his family better and finally meeting uh, her mom and, and her friends was just, it was really awesome. It was really fun. And just to be in a different headspace, it was awesome. Now, when it comes to missions, when it comes to sharing Jesus, because where did God say to go to share the message? Throughout the world, right? Go teach, preach, baptize, make disciples, reminding them of what I have taught you and though I'm with you always. And when we talk about missions, we often think that, oh, I need to go somewhere. I need to go to a different state. I need to go across the country. I need to go to uh, a different continent. I need to go to Europe. I need to go to Africa. I need to go to South America, Asia. But then if we focus on that, what happens when the mission field is literally just right out front? Amen? It's on Lakewood. It's on Firestone. It's in Pico Rivera, it's, it's Downey, it's all of these places. It's where we live, it's where we work. And so this month, I want to spend some time on reminding us of, hey, our mission, yes, is to go into the world, and, and we're doing that as a church. But before we even do that, hey, let's focus on where we actually live. And are we becoming an effective disciple to sharing Jesus with even our neighbors? Question mark. Today's sermon is entitled, Stop Interrupting Me. 
So let's go to let's go to the book of Matthew. Okay, Matthew chapter eight. And in this context, Jesus, um, the first couple of chapters, as we we studied before, you know, it was promised that he would come. You have the genealogy. They have the whole story of how he was born, returned to Nazareth. John the Baptist prepares the way. Then you have the baptism of Jesus. And then in chapters five through seven, Jesus goes up to a mountain and he spends time with some people and he breaks down. He, he shares the Sermon on the Mount, okay, which we're going to come back soon to the Beatitudes. By the way, our next series is going to be based on Matthew 5. All right, don't forget. And so he launches into this big sermon. He talks about prayer, treasures in heaven. Don't worry. Um, you know, building your faith on, on a solid foundation and um, judging others, loving others. And so he taught it with authority, not as teachers of the law. And then when he comes down the mountain, what happens to him? Well, in chapter 8, verse 1, he says, When Jesus came down the mountainside, large crowds followed him. And a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me what? You can make me clean. You can heal me, right? So Jesus reached out. He touched the man. And he said, I am willing to be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And then Jesus said, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift of Mos that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Okay, cool. He helped somebody with leprosy. But then in verse 5, it says, when he had, Jesus had entered Capernaum, a century, centurion came to him asking for help. And he said, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering greatly. And Jesus said, shall I come and heal him? And the centurion as a testament to faith too, because a centurion, is he a faithful Jew? More than likely he's what? He's a Gentile. Oh, Jews and Gentiles talk to each other. Not really. They were supposed to, right? And so, yet this centurion, he hears about this man named Jesus, and he loves his servant. He says, hey, please, can you do this? And he says, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. He's recognizing who Jesus is, that he is God. He's not worthy. This is a faith statement. He recognizes who Jesus is. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. He believes that Jesus has the power to be able to heal his servant from a distance. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this, they go, he goes, and that one come and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And Jesus remarks, he says, hey, truly, I tell you, I haven't found anyone in Israel with such great, what? Faith. Okay, And so Jesus essentially, he affirms this man, his faith, and he heals the servant. Okay, healing number two. And then when Jesus, in verse 14, when Jesus comes into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her. She got up. And began to wait on him. Healing number three. That's a busy day for Jesus. Amen? And then, as it says in verse 16, when evening came, 
Many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with the word, healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took our infirmities and bore our disease. That's a busy day. You know, I have to ask, one of my bucket list questions when I'm able to talk to Jesus is, did you ever get drained from doing all of that? Pretty sure he did, because after the end of the day, he would go up onto a mountain sometimes, and he'd commune, he'd probably take a, a power nap, get some sleep because nobody could bother him. But imagine being around people all day and people seeking you. People wanting to go to you because they have a need. Now, if you're an introvert like me, I love people. I really do. But sometimes it's like, okay, I got to decompress, right? And if we keep reading, a, a man, a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. He, and by the way, they got into, uh, he got ordered, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. They got into a boat to go across. And Jesus replies, hey, you know, if you follow me, what does that really mean? It means boxes have dens, birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Meaning the journey to follow Jesus is not going to be easy and it's not going to be comfortable. And then another disciple said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said, let me follow me and let the dead bury the dead. This is already one, two, three, four, five conversations that we know of, six actually. That doesn't talk about the crowd and how many people came to him. And then when they're in the boat, they're going across in verse 23. His disciples followed him. And what happens? There's a storm that comes about. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and they woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he replied, you have little what? Faith. Why are you so afraid? He got up, he rebuked the winds, the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now, keep in mind, too, he'd been healing people all day, and they were with them, and they're wondering, like, who is this guy? Should they have really been surprised? Maybe because it was such a gnarly storm, probably. I'll, I'll give them that. And then when they get to the other side, after they've traveled across, when he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men came from the tombs and met him. They were so violent that no one could pass their way. What do you want to do with us, son of God? They shouted. What, have you come here to torture us before your appointed time? And then Jesus, he sees that there's a herd of pigs across the way and the demons possessed. If you drive us out, send us into the pigs. And he said, go. And so the demons went into the pigs and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those who tended the pigs went into town, reported everything that, they'd ha that had happened, and then uh, when they, they saw him, what did they do? They pleaded with him to what? Please leave. That's a pretty busy day. And you can see what happened to Jesus the whole day. He kept getting what? Interrupted. He started with uh, healing a man with leprosy, the centurion. He healed many, including Peter's mother-in-law. He met with the people who asked about what it meant to follow 
Jesus, the teacher of the law, and then one asking, hey, let me go bury my, my family. Jesus calms the storm, and then he restores two demon-possessed men. He helps them, but oh, by the way, the people don't want him in that area. I'm not going to lie. That sounds really busy. Kept getting interrupted. But what's interesting about this passage is that everywhere Jesus goes, does he turn anybody away? He doesn't. And what does he do? He met their needs. From the man who had leprosy to the demon-possessed man, the faith of the centurion health, uh, healing his servant, the many other people that we don't even know, because as John also says, Jesus performed a lot of miracles that we don't even really, there was too many to put in the Bible. Too many to count. Now, also, Jesus met the needs of everyone at all hours of the day. Jesus made himself available to everyone at all hours of the day. What a guy. All day. You know, C.S. Lewis, he writes, the great thing, if one can, is to stop regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions of one's own or real life. The truth is, of course, that what one calls interruptions are precisely one's real life. The life God is, God is sending one day by day, what one calls one real life, is a phantom of one's own imagination. How many of you have gone through life, gone through a whole day without being interrupted? There can be days like that sometimes, but oftentimes, at some point, something happens, something goes wrong, something we have to fix, whether it's at work or at home, there's always a curveball. That's just life. Can we agree on that? That's why they pay managers good money, to manage all of the problems. And so, Life can be full of interruptions. Our lives are filled with interruptions. Now, we're not being asked to heal leprosy. We're not asked to heal people who are demon-possessed. We're not asked to heal our mother-in-laws of what, the flu or whatever. But yet, Jesus is calling us to share the good news. And sometimes that can interrupt our day. Because when you also think about it, and I, I think I mentioned this last week or a week ago, two weeks ago, when God gives you an opportunity to share the gospel or how God has impacted your life, does it always come at a time when you plan to do that? It never does. Okay, As I've shared in the past, you know, some of the most interesting places that I've shared the gospel, Macy's in the cooking aisle, the cookware, okay? The Oakley store, being on a plane, you can't necessarily decide, like you can intently go out and share Jesus with others, but oftentimes, it's the most organic, natural times that have the most impact. Amen? Can't force something. And so, yeah, you never know when God's going to ask you, hey, I want you to share how God has impacted your life or how you can find meaning. Or simply, hey, go and help somebody. Be a blessing to somebody. Not because I want to be a blessing, but Lord, if you give me an opportunity, I want to be faithful. 
we don't do it for our, our own edification. We do it because, number one, we want to be humble and we want to help people because that's what God has called us to do, to make a difference in people's lives. Oftentimes, however, interruptions, what do they do to our lives? What do they do to our physical well-being? It frustrates us if we're trying to meet a deadline at work. Or maybe you're a new mom or dad, or you have little ones that are like four, five, six, seven, and they're starting to go to school, and they don't want to go to school that day. It's interrupting your day when they decide, I don't want to go to school, or they're dragging, right? You ever get frustrated trying to get your kids in the car to go to school? Please don't raise your hands. <laughs> but interruptions happen all times of the day. And it's one of those things that we just, we have to build in to our time. Build in extra time in your day to be interrupted. Tony Dungy, uh, coach of the Indianapolis uh, Colts at the time when they won the Super Bowl, shares a story when he was a child, I think Wes uh, Stanford wrote it, where how he learned patience from his father. He and his father and his brother Lyndon went fishing one day. And his dad, he was usually a more quiet, thoughtful guy, a scientist at heart, actually, and by training, and Wilbur Dungy is the name of his dad, he loved being outdoors. He loved being able to enjoy the outdoors and one of the things that they did as a, as a family was to go and fish. And he would go out and they would be on the lake or the pond, the river, and he would remark how God was amazing and how he created all of this beautiful nature. And then one day, um, I think Tony was about nine and his brother was five. They were out fishing. He was teaching his brother, uh, Lyndon, how to cast while both working on it in silence. Suddenly, his dad breaks the silence by saying, Lyndon, don't move for a minute, please. And if you fish, you probably know where I'm going with this. Tony looks over. He looks at his dad, and he watches, and he sees his hand move to his face, very calm and deliberate as he continues to speak. And he says, now, Lyndon, always make sure that you know where your pole is when you're starting to cast. And then he realizes that his brother's hook was in his dad's ear. Anybody ever caught a, a hook? Yeah. My experience was very, very minimal, right? But his hook had caught his dad's ear. And he also says, but also make certain that you are aware of where everyone else is around you. So he learned the importance of casting a proper fishing rod. But he also learned about patience. Now, let's put the story around where Lyndon casts it, and his dad feels the hook in his ear. And he could have started screaming and yelling at his kid. And what would Lyndon have done? He would have freaked out. He probably would have moved the fishing pole away, thus causing even more trauma to his ear right? But he took it in stride. So be careful. At some point you fish long enough, you'll probably get hooked at some point. And when you get hooked, it hurts. But it's important that when life throws you a curveball, when life interrupts you, 
it's important to also, just as Jesus did, stay calm and be able to communicate clearly. So build in extra time so you have that extra time to prepare for your day, for your work, for the meeting, the interview, whatever you're going to do. And when it comes to missions now, okay, we talk about, well, God has called us to go into this world. But the truth is, there's plenty of missions that we can, mission work that we can do here, whether in the park, on, on Telegraph, on Lakewood. When you, uh, when you look around your neighborhood, okay, in fact, what are the needs in your own neighborhood? Maybe you have a park, and there's a few things on the ground, and you can say, well, that's just not my job. But yet you live there, right? Do you want a park that has a bunch of potato chip bags all over the place? No. Yes, it was very rude of whoever left them there to do that. But do you want to leave it like that? Go and pick it up. Is there a widow down the street who's lonely and all they need is just a simple hello or maybe a tray of cookies? Maybe there's a yard that you see and the person who lives there can't either afford to have somebody cut it or they're not able to physically able to do it themselves. Is it possible that you get a team to go and help maintain and cut that person's lawn? There's plenty of needs within our own neighborhoods, our own backyard that we probably don't even realize that can be opportunities and ministries to do work for the Lord. Amen? So what are three needs in your neighborhood? What are three needs in your neighborhood? And your challenge this week, pick one need, create a plan, and address it and execute it. Don't just plan it but follow through. And you don't have to do it by yourself. Have a friend help out. Ask your family. When Lisa and I went on vacation uh, a couple of months back, we came back and we realized, hmm, maybe a couple of weeks after, it's like, hmm, I haven't seen one of my neighbors for a while. And I kept noticing I didn't see his car. And then when Christmas came by, I, I saw his wife, and she was really flustered and frustrated that day. And uh, I felt bad, you know, she normally is very happy, but she, uh, she waited and uh, um, I thought, well, maybe I can go give some cookies. Uh, by the time I went out though, she closed the door, I think she had left and it was too late. And come to find out, she and her husband had decided to split. And she was very angry that day. Now, cookies make things a lot better too. And I thought this was an opportunity and I missed it. You know, and it's a simple, simple thing, but maybe it wouldn't have meant anything. Maybe she didn't like cookies. I don't know. But there's little things that we can do that can make a big difference in people's lives. Far more than you could ever know. So I want to encourage you. Go forth. Make a difference in your neighborhood this week. And as you also see in your challenge, what is this week's challenge? To love two family members this week. Reach out, connect with them. Say you love them and hug them. And if they're not physically there, call them. Makes a world of a difference. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be your servants. You've called us to go forth. Give us courage 
Give us wisdom to know how to move forward, lead and guide us in all that we do. Help us to be faithful to you and give us opportunities to share you with others. Give us the words, Lord, especially. Or maybe we don't even have to say anything, just to be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.